As the new year for 2024 arrives, where am I at with tabletop role-playing games? What are my plans for the year ahead? And what lessons am I carrying forward? Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Rescuers. My name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing games hobby. As I record this, we are in the transition of the calendar from 2023 into 2024. Early access patrons are listening as the year comes to an end, while regular listeners are tuning in just as the epiphany arrives in the Western tradition, just a little after New Year. So I'll hedge. Happy New Year! Welcome to 2024, and I wish you all the very best for the 50th anniversary of the publication of Dungeons & Dragons, that funny old box set that sparked this whole role-playing games phenomenon in 1974. This episode is, predictably enough, all about me, my hobby, and my thoughts as I begin the 53rd year of my life, and the 47th of my gaming hobby? This is Season 13, Episode 8... Into 2024. I find myself at a strange point in my hobby. Over the past year, I've shared quite a few attachments to old ideas, habits and beliefs. And I've also had many realisations and insights, some of which have stuck and changed the way I talk about, play in and run games. But I am loath to head into retrospective territory today. Looking back is all well and good, but looking forward is more productive. That being said, all New Year's resolutions generally prove fruitless, and so I'm equally loath to make great pronouncements and predictions. What I know is this. I have precisely one currently running RPG campaign played across two gaming groups, the classic fantasy Felmir game I began back in September 2023, and I want to keep that game running if I possibly can. While I have a lot of gaming desires, the reality is that finding players who share my appetites and interests in play is quite tough. While a recent conversation with a new friend suggested that there are plenty of folk out there who might want to play... I do not find it easy to find them. I don't think this is an uncommon experience. When you find players who enjoy what you're doing, it seems foolish to abandon that activity needlessly. I've certainly found unexpected joy in running a classic fantasy game, the kind inspired by that old 1974 box set and its descendants. And while I might be tempted to sniff at that style of fantasy, somewhat snobbishly, The truth is that it's working for both the school group and the online Saturday night group just fine. There's the hope of another group on the horizon, but until that manifests, I'm holding the expectations loosely and feeling my way forward with caution. And that is probably a point worth developing a little bit further in itself later. First, I want to catch up on a call-in which I deeply appreciated 
relating to World Play Rescue's five-year anniversary back in November. So, thank you. And let's hear what Simon had to say. Hi, Jay. Simon Williams here. I just wanted to send you a belated congratulations for five years of Roleplay Rescue. What an amazing achievement. Now, whilst I'd already returned to the table when I found your show, your wisdom and insight over the past five years has helped me to run better games, expand my horizons and try new things. So thank you for everything and game on. Jay, I just needed to tell you how much I love hearing the stories of your school D&D club or whatever you're calling it. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's nostalgia, but it's such a delight hearing kids experience role-playing for the very first time and just really enjoying it. I especially love the the story of the, the little girl who was in character throughout the entire game and her reaction to role-playing games and how it almost sounds like it gave her the opportunity to come out of her shell. It's amazing. Keep it up. Thank you, Simon. And, and thank you, Frank, for the call-in about the school club. I'll come back to the comment about the girl playing in character in a second because it's worth reflecting on what's happening with those games. Back in episode two, Schooled, I told the story of how the Felmere game came about and my reasons for taking it to the school club. As things wrapped up just before Christmas, we were playing one and a half hour sessions in Felmere with a fairly consistent group of five players, plus a couple of less consistent players who drop in and out. Over that time, I've also had an apprentice dungeon master present at the table on three consecutive sessions. And if you want to hear the tale in full, well, listen to Runeslinger's conversation with me about mentors and peers in RPG learning over on the Casting Shadows podcast. I'll stick a link in the show notes. The short version is that when a student asked, how do you game master? We ended up sharing theory and books but also practice in ways that I never really expected. Most sessions have been focused on returning several times to a particular dungeon, the lakeside ruins across the water from Stone Harrow, wherein the adventurers have found treasure and terror aplenty. Our most recent session, however, began a simple mystery scenario, largely inspired by Justin Alexander's book, So You Want to Be a Game Master, which I probably need to talk about sometime in more depth. To return to Frank's message, however, the most enjoyable aspect of running basic D&D from 1983 with the students had been the way in which some of the players, and one particular girl, have enjoyed periods of deeply immersive play. The stories Frank is referring to are from the GM's journal, and always anonymised, but I'll summarise one such moment the time when this particular student, having lost her character in battle, created a new adventurer who was a prisoner held by goblins in the dungeon. Yes, it's an old method for introducing a new character mid-adventure, but it works. 
Anyway, as the players had rescued her character and were discussing what to do next, she was role-playing the reaction of her character. I'm grateful for you setting me free, but frankly, she said, I don't know who you are or what your intentions towards me might be, and I'm quite afraid. Please don't hurt me. I just want to get out of here alive. She was playing in role. She was in character, as character, at the table, and the impact on the players was profound. She inspired them to begin to think more in role and less as players. I was probably smiling openly, but it didn't matter. It was a joy to watch the scene unfold. The party decided to exit the dungeon and return her to safety. We then played a lengthy scene at the Black Dragon Inn where the player characters shared their story with the rescued adventurer. And even though that player, the girl, knew the story because she played in it with another character, the players took the time to bring her character up to speed. It was deeply affecting in a moment really that I will not forget. Since that time, other players have been more consistent about playing in role. The other regular girl who plays has been discussing many elements of her character with me outside a session. One of the lads has been working with me on the origin of his particular elven character and added quite a lot to the background of Felmir along the way. And not to mention actually going and writing his own adventure that I think he's pretty much itching to run for the group. But all of them, they're engaged and they're enjoying the play. So yeah, why would I trade that in for another game? Thanks, Frank, for reminding me of the joys involved in running the school D&D club. Hey, Trey, Jason here. Just listened to most of your interview with um, Alexander Macris. I have the last 15 minutes you're asking him tell him about what roleplay rescue is about i assume you're gonna ask him his advice on people come back to the hobby but great great interview really enjoyed the discussion about alignment and i appreciate your reaching out and putting different people on the show so take care and i will talk to you again soon now felmir began with me evil jeff and basic dungeons and dragons from 1983 But thanks to Jason for being one of many callers who got in touch about the bonus interview I did with Alex McCreese about Adventurer Conqueror King. Now, I'm not going to hash out all the pros and cons of that moment here. It was, shall we say, a mixed bag, wherein on the one hand I delighted some, and on the other hand I alienated others. But one of the effects of chatting to Alex was that he generously sent me a playtest document for Adventure Conqueror King Imperial Imprint, Acts 2, as he calls it. Now, me being me, I read them and I shared them with the Saturday Night Group. And then we decided to give those rules a bit of a spin. Thus, after the first total party kill using Basic D&D, our Felmir games started being played with Acts 2, largely at the suggestion of one of the players. Now, we've been having a good time with those rules. They are functionally very similar to basic D&D, having been built on that D&D 1981 and 83 chassis, but offer several refinements and additions, which I've enjoyed, although I'm not going to review the game, at least not yet, largely because it's early days and we've played only a handful of sessions. But I've enjoyed gaining a perspective on classic fantasy gaming that I hadn't really appreciated until I did that interview. My views on simulationism were refined and I discovered some personal insights into how I prefer to play, 
like Jason, I appreciate the conversation about alignment. But whatever people's thoughts and feelings on the designer, the fact is that the game is well designed and practically useful for that type of experience. And in play, we've been having a bucket of fun. And as a GM, I've found almost all of my hang-ups about basic D&D from 83 have been resolved. This has freed me to focus on the world that Felmir exists within, and it's becoming a more coherent vision through your play. The Saturday Night players are more experienced and seeking more consistent emulation of the fantasy world than the students are. They are more sophisticated in, in their choices and their preferences, perhaps. Our games in Felmir are richer and more enjoyable, at least to my mind, because they have more developed and robust rules in play. As I enter 2024, I'm enjoying the playtest, and although we're due to review the use of the game in the coming week or so, I am hoping we can at least take the strengths of the system and utilise them in the ongoing campaign. And, of course, thanks again to Jason for calling in to tell me how much he enjoyed that conversation. I'm just so grateful that you did that. But that's kind of where we're up to with Felmir. And all this brings me to the subject of face-to-face gaming. As I outlined in episode 6, Seeking Face-to-Face, I've been engaged in a two-pronged attack on the barriers to playing live at a real-life tabletop. I made two moves. Firstly, I've been in touch with a local gaming cafe, the Dice Cup in Nottingham, and found myself invited to join a 5th edition D&D group. And secondly, I set up a meetup group and sought to find players through that route. This has netted an online chat with three chaps, a follow-up meeting at the Dice Cup with two of them, and a meeting with the third at a local Costa Cafe as well. And, you know, things are looking pretty positive. On this initiative, though, I had a bucket of call-ins. So what I'll do is I'll play through them and try and share a few thoughts in response where that seems relevant. So big thanks to these callers for taking the time to send in messages. Hey it's pretty hard for me to believe you're a socially anxious person when you're in front of a, a class of kids every day. Um, that sounds pretty scary. Um, actually, it's probably the scariest thing I could have thought of when I was when I was a student, being the teacher. It must have been a lot of pressure. But I actually, actually have been in front of classrooms and um, and so I'm a, I'm a different person, um, very confident person, whereas when I was a kid, I was a shoegazing, just a retard, like I couldn't look anyone in the eye. <clears throat> I, I was freaked out whenever I was outside. Um... I could barely put a sentence together, but yeah, I was a teacher at one time, and um, I think that helped me, that um, exposure therapy, you know, I, I became a different person, I had to project my voice to the back of the room, I had to engage, and um, now I can look anyone in the eye. And uh, so I think you'd be okay. You um, engage with people every day, meet people with students. Uh, you can do it. You'll be okay. Maybe it's a bit harder for you, but you'll be fine. You'll get a group. 
Um, one, one approach you didn't mention that I worked for me, <coughs> for my latest group, um, just uh, like made some old school posters with ripoff numbers, um, put them up in libraries and uh, in my area and supermarkets. Um, just put the details of uh, the kind of people I'm looking for, um, kind of game I want to play. Um, I think maybe your ad on Meetup may be too generic. I don't think you'd be satisfied with when you get like a dozen 5e players, <laughs> possibly. I don't think you want to play 5e, so maybe you should have specified what games you're into. Um, yeah, but uh, my my group now is so awesome. Been playing every two weeks for for two years, uh, no, for a year, year and a half. Um, and we just had this awesome campaign, exactly the game I want to run. So um, using GURPS, um, set in 1986, um, mercenaries coming out of homelessness, like uh, Vietnam War veterans. Um, their lives fall apart. We played from like 1969, Vietnam, right through to um, 1986. Um, Australian Vietnam War veterans. They they get into the mercenary uh, mercenary world to sort of uh, save themselves. And uh, right now they're in they're in Cairo, Egypt, uh, trying to raid the U.S. embassy. And uh, ah, it's been so awesome. There's all the bells and whistles. I'm using all the books I want to use. I'm geeking out. I've got so much tactical detail. Um, and uh, the guys enjoy it too. They love it. They say it's the best game I've ever played. Um, so don't so be upfront about what kind of game you want to play, I think. It's not worth um, playing with people who aren't on the same, under the same stuff. Anyway, sorry for taking up uh, too much time. Thanks, Sam, for the call-ins, and I don't think it was too much. Thanks for the suggestion around sticking up posters. That's not really my style and not something I thought of at all, but I get how that's a way to gain some interest if you're happy to field those calls or emails from those little tear-off strips that you mentioned. On the subject of Meetup, when I received your message, I was fairly sure that you might be right, that I'd not been specific enough. But in my defence, I would say two things. Firstly, I didn't really know what I wanted to play. I just knew that I needed to get myself out there to meet new people and I wanted to get at the tabletop role-playing game. I found in hindsight that my openness to putting the meetup social aspect first has proven the most beneficial to me personally. I mean, yeah, I think if you had a specific game you wanted to run, I reckon you're correct. Stating it clearly is almost certainly the best route. I'm glad to hear that your year and a half long campaign has been so positive for you, by the way. But for me, I think I just needed to get myself out there. And that brings me to the subject of my social anxiety, which I get you disbelieving. I I get that disbelieving response actually a fair bit. I mean, how could I be a teacher and socially anxious? More to the point, how could I do a podcast and be socially anxious? Now, I don't want to delve too deep into it, the fact that most people have very little idea what social anxiety really is, but you are correct in your suggestion that acclimatization is a big part of why I can be a teacher, 
be a podcaster and yet still be anxious about meeting new people in contexts that are different. The controlled environment of a classroom, the controlled decision about what to say on the air and then going into, say, a cafe are very different experiences. And I'll add that the pandemic and the lockdown had a profound impact on me, making the anxiety worse because I was afraid of contracting the disease as then poorly understood as it was in 2020. And I was catastrophizing about it, making my asthma worse, of ending up on oxygen, of all of the horrors I could conjure really around the disease. Those fears changed my mind and my neurology in ways that are kind of hard to quantify. Just to say that the act of going and playing 5th edition at the gaming cafe, of meeting the chaps in cafes to talk about what we're wanting and might offer one another, that has done wonders to help me feel better. But anyway, thanks so much for the call, Sam. And, well, let's see how things pan out. Hi, Che. This is Bob from SafeCoCast. Just wanted to actually leave a voice message here and tell you that I've enjoyed the last few episodes. I enjoy all of them, actually, but the last few episodes have really spoken to me, especially the part about wanting to meet and play in person. Over the course of the pandemic lockdown, when my regular in-person group went to virtual tabletop, we had a good time and it was a great substitute for being able to play in person, but we have been meeting in person for well over a year now and it's just so much preferable to me. For one thing, as a game master, I don't have to put as much time into getting all of my materials online. Um, It's much easier to prep for a game when I don't have to fiddle around with the computer. One of our members was saying, though, that uh, he thinks these games are really meant to be played with friends. And I liked what you said on the Discord about letting new people into your heart. I think that is very important. And it's also difficult because you're not going to immediately connect with everyone you meet, even if they're a fellow gamer. So um, it is challenging, but uh, keep your chin up. I'm sure you're going to find a great new group. Bye. Hi, Trey. This is Andrew from Long Island. I enjoyed your Seeking Face-to-Face episode and wanted to share just a couple of thoughts. First, congratulations on taking steps to get back into a face-to-face game. I went through something like that back around 2010. I found games through a meetup.com group that played at a local store, and also just happened to meet another role player slash GM who was looking for new players through an unrelated online community and coincidental meeting at a sci-fi convention. It isn't easy to put yourself out to meet new people, but it usually works out better than you think or fear it will. Second, hearing your comment about not really wanting to play D&D 5th edition and Jason's call about rules not mattering got me to thinking. I don't 100% agree with Jason, but I don't completely disagree either. I definitely have a better time playing and especially running a game with rules I prefer. But you can build a world, inhabit a character, create a story using pretty much any rules. The people you're playing with matter more to whether you're having fun than the rules. Beyond that, if you want to play anything besides some flavor of D&D, the way to find people who are willing to play your favorite game is by expanding the number of gamers you know, And the way to do that is by being willing to play the games they know and like. Uh, The group I joined a decade back had never tried GURPS. I played in the games they ran for a while. Then when they had gotten to know me, I offered to run games. At that point, they were willing to take a chance on a new system. 
in the end, I converted the other main GM of the group to GURPS, and even the staunchest D&D and Pathfinder fan has been enjoying playing in our games. Anyway, I've gone on long enough. Thanks for all you do. Bye. Hi, Jay. Simon Williams here. Just listened to GM Journal 215. I'm super stoked that the meetup group looks like it might facilitate the kind of game that you've been looking for. Um, I think back to this time last year during the festive break and you asked to hop online with me and we talked about solo and a few other things but you weren't in a good place in terms of your gaming and to have come full circle and for you to be so excited about what might happen next I just think that's fantastic and I'm really really happy for you. So yeah that's it but I just wanted to say happy Christmas to you and Deb and to everyone on the Roleplay Rescue community Um, and I hope everyone has a great festive time and has a prosperous new year. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, what a lovely bunch of calls on this topic. I'll work backwards, I think. So Simon, thank you for reminding me of where I've been over this past 12 months or so. In fact, when I look back, it was May 2022 that you first mentioned to me about Meetup and your own experiences. It shows how long this journey has been. And yeah, maybe it's going to lead to some new game experiences, but at the very least, it's helping to transform my social anxiety. Andrew, thanks for the comments about meeting people and not worrying too much about what rules I'm playing with. The first session I attended to play 5th edition was, in many ways, good for that because I just sat with people I didn't know, played along and had a good time, in spite of all the discomfort and opinions I might hold about gaming. In the conversations with the meetup guides, it's been valuable just to be open. I've mentioned GURPS as a favourite system of mine, for example, but I've also mentioned I'm open to playing other things and as it turns out I look to being the most likely GM so it's perhaps more in my power to decide what to play. Bob thanks for calling in and being so encouraging like you said I'm looking to find people in whom I can find friendship over time making space for love with new people is key but also recognizing that this might not work out is similarly important. I've tempered my expectations, but also found myself pleasantly surprised by the openness of others in the gaming community. It is easy to get wrapped up in anxiety and forget that most people are basically decent. So anyway, thank you all, all four of you, for your thoughts and your encouragement. It's deeply appreciated. Hi, Shay. Andrew from Long Island. I've listened to your uh, Augury Ignored episode this morning and really enjoyed it. I think Thomas was 100% right about your vulnerable approach to talking about RPGs being unique and engaging. Uh, Roleplay Rescue feels much more about asking questions together uh, than the more usual, here are the answers that you get from other places. I laughed out loud at, they're having fun, how dare they? That seems to be the premise of way too much online chatter about RPGs these days. Love the idea of role-playing as a medium uh, where the unexpected can happen and be explored. It doesn't have to follow the structures of other narrative forms. I don't like it when game rules or approaches to role-playing try to make it, force it to mimic movies or TVs or books, because I feel that loses the point of something unique and great about role-playing. I especially like Thomas's comment about coming up with a cool idea and then not thinking about where it could go. It's not easy because as a GM, I always want to make sure that there's a moment of awesome. Uh, so I want to plan to set it up to happen, but it's not on me to decide what that awesome 
moment is going to be. That's what we're playing for so based on the player's decisions and, and sometimes random luck. So really, there's no where, real way that I should be planning for it. Anyway, keep up the good work. Hope to hear more soon. Bye. And yeah, amen, Andrew. I mean, I agree. I'm glad the episode sparked several useful moments for you as well. I still don't know why I sat on that interview for three months. But that does provide a nice link across to answering the remaining questions I asked at the top of the show. What are my plans for the year ahead and, and what lessons am I carrying forward? I want to keep this brief because time is limited, but I'm going to focus on playing the games that are working for as long as I can. Felmere, both online with the Saturday Night Group and in person with the School D&D Club, is a treasure that I want to mine for as long as the players remain engaged. What I am carrying forward are the lessons you mentioned, Andrew, about being open to the outcomes and playing to find out. I have rediscovered my love of the emergent story and the emergence of characters through play. I'm also going to put into practice all of the great game scenarios that are now collected in Justin's new book on being a game master. I've had a lot of success in recent weeks with running dungeon adventures, other location-based adventures, and now a simple linear mystery. I want to dig deeper into more complex location crawls, node-based mysteries, raids, heists, and then wilderness scenarios like running a route-based adventure, running hex crawls, and delving point crawls. I also want to get into urban adventuring, something that I haven't really ever remembered doing in a structured way. Lots to experiment with and learn from. And finally, I want to find my way deeper into my favourite toolkit rule set, GURPS. It might come from the new face-to-face group, it might come from another online group, or it might simply rise unexpectedly. But I want to be ready and open to introducing new gamers to the most robust game rules I know that offer a deeply grounded and believable simulation of a fantasy world. And on that note, I'll go and get prepped for my next session. As ever, all the links for calling in and other ways of getting in touch are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and, well, I'll see you next time. Except for an addendum. I recorded the episode a couple of days ago and released it to the Early Access patrons and then we had our scheduled Saturday night Felmere session. The game session was good, and we finished the first rather linear but interesting dungeon I had created back at the inception of Felmere a couple of months ago. The Saturday night guys have been in and out of there a few times. There was a TPK with the first party, and then some plans to return with the current party, but then a one-to-one session with a player led to another character death, and yeah, it's it's proven that classic D&D and the like are deadly games. But the long and short of it is that on Saturday, we talked about what we wanted to do going forward and decided to keep playing in Felmere, but to change rules across to, you guessed it, the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game powered by GURPS. Well, almost. We're going to run things at a low-powered 62-point pace line, and then we're going to treat the professional templates as guidelines, allowing for some player-GM discussion to customise characters. And this is because none of us wants to feel as restricted as we do by D&D-style tropes like classes. So a key feature of GURPS is that you can build anything, and you don't have to swallow the traditions or the prescriptions of other designers. 
But that said, we are using the dungeon fantasy role-playing game because it's a solid framework for a classic fantasy-style dungeon and wilderness-focused game. So we're just going to customize things. For one, I think the elves of Felmir are pretty different. But that's the key news. I didn't want to wait to tell everybody, so I added it to the episode, and I hope the patrons won't mind a second version of this update. And I guess if you want to know more of the details, well, that'll be over in the GM's journal over coming weeks as we figure out how to shift a game from that old D&D thing to something, well, perhaps a little bit different. So all that's left to say is thank you for listening, and I wish you a very happy new year for 2024. Thank you once again to all the callers this week. To Simon, Frank, Jason, Sam, Bob and Andrew, your comments and feedback are deeply appreciated. Thanks also to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Your support is funding the meetup attempt and the school D&D club for students. Thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore for the Roleplay Rescue theme music. Thank you to all the guys who've been welcoming to me over the last few weeks, getting face-to-face. But most of all, thank you to you for showing up and listening. I hope you found it useful. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again on the flip side. Game on.